our previous episodes are brought to you by Fan Essentials. To so use promo code 94feed at checkout for 30% off your first subscription to Fan Essentials. And by Daily Fantasy Nerd. Um, check out our links um, in our episode descriptions and on Twitter for some great daily fantasy tools. This is episode 4 of Free Talk Friday. If you missed our previous 3, this is a really casual, um, you know, not a pre-planned show. Um, no in-depth stats or analysis, just kind of a casual conversation you would have with friends or coworkers. Um, pretty different than our, you know, structured Monday uh, night show. So this is Free Talk Friday, episode 4. And in today's episode, we'll be joined by Alex Baropoulos in a little bit. And we'll be talking about the Christmas Day games. We'll be t- doing a little bit of a Would You Rather Rebuilding Team edition. And then we're playing our uh, infamous game, Above or Below, um, actual talent level. So in that game, we talk about certain teams and if they're playing above or below their actual talent level and expectations, according to us, of course. So with that being said, let's bring in Alex Propolis again. Alex, today, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm glad to be here again for Free Talk Friday and looking forward to the weekend of Christmas games. It is, it's, a, it's a pretty disappointing slate, I would say. Uh, i say you probably would, would, would say there's two or three good actual games, and even then, like, how many people are really excited to watch Knicks Celtics or, or Spurs Bulls, you know, because those are the before and after the actual game that right. everyone's going to watch. Right, that's that's true. I think that the NBA was a little bit more optimistic in the Wolves, that the Wolves would be good, and that, you know, they would hope that, that game would be good. I don't think they expected the Clippers-Lakers game to be good, but um, they've got a good one in, in Cleveland, Golden State, of course. The Knicks and Celtics are both winning teams in Eastern Conference, so that's good. Bulls and Spurs, Spurs are winning, Bulls are kind of 500, so that's a little, you know, hit or miss yeah. game, but the slate overall is pretty disappointing in my opinion, but it's still, you know... You can't really blame them when they when they pick the games at the beginning of the year, though. Exactly. And I, I still think that the NBA has a problem with always having the same big market teams. I think that, you know, of course the Knicks are going to make it every year. Of course, both L.A. teams are going to make it every year. The Spurs are on almost every year at this point. And, of course, it's almost always now a finals rematch for the past couple of seasons. Right. It's been a finals rematch. But they could do a better job of getting some other teams. Now, it's good that Minnesota's there. Um, OKC's not always there. The Celtics, I don't think, are always on Christmas, but... Um, I think for the most part they can do a better job of you know changing it up right. every year instead of the same team. I think we've seen Clippers Lakers for, for like three straight Christmas days, so I think so. No one's really excited about that game, but um, so let's talk a little bit about each game. Um, starting obviously, let's go in order. So we got Knicks and Celtics uh, in the first game in in New York in Madison Square Garden. Um, how do you see this game playing out, and you know why? I think Celtics are going to win. Um, I think the Knicks are playing. Better than expected basketball, but I think that the Celtics are still a better team, and I just feel that you know I don't really know what's happened. I know Porzingis got injured last night, and I don't know what the update has been, so I don't know how well he's definitely important to if the Knicks are going to win going forward, and I think even for this game. So I feel like they might have to hold him back a little bit just to see. I'm picking the Knicks to win, but it's only with the assumption that Porzingis plays. And I'm only picking the Knicks because they're playing in MSG where the Knicks are 11-4 and four at home compared to their 5-9 and nine road record. Now, the Celtics have a good road record of 11-7, and seven, um, and they've been pretty hot. They've won four in a row, including pretty impressive victories um, in Memphis. Um, but I'm going to pick the Knicks because they're playing at home. That's if Porzingis plays because right. the Knicks, they kind of hit or miss. They came off that struggling West Coast road trip and now have won um, – too straight now because they're at home. I think they're they're a really good home team, pretty poor road team, which is why they're you know hovering around 500, you know, a couple games above, a couple games below. But because they're playing at home, MS, in, in MSG, I'm going to pick the Knicks for this game. Um, 
the Warriors Cavs game, it's really interesting because it's one of those games where like everyone hypes it up and then you could obviously you know, last year the Warriors like went into Cleveland in January and blew them out by thirty and people were like right. going crazy. You know, that could happen again because the Warriors I think are the better team and if they catch fire you can't stop them, they could That's destroy right. the Cavs. Yeah. That dampen that would dampen the Christmas mood. It'd be great if they had a really good game. But um, it's one of those games where, you know, people are definitely gonna overreact if the Warriors blow them out or if the Cavs blow them out. But I see a Warriors win because I think the Warriors are a better team. They struggled against the Nets, so I think they'll be, you know, more motivated to come out and, you know, play their game. Jermon Green didn't play against the Nets. Maybe he'll um, be back. Probably. Maybe he'll be back. He'll probably be back for a big game Christmas Day. Um, they, they've lost three straight to the Cavs, if you, you know, in the playoffs. They lost three straight. The 3-1, they want to get some revenge. They want to get that. revenge. Even They know it's a regular season game, but they know that they can still make a statement in Cleveland on Christmas Day, especially National if they blow audience. them out. Um, and, um, and J.R. Smith being out. It's not a big loss, but it, it is a loss. And Kevin Love has been dealing with some nagging injuries. He's missed like a couple games this week. So um, I'm going to go with the Warriors for this game. I'm not confident it'll be a blowout, but I would not be surprised if they win by 20-plus, really. Right. I, I too, am also going to pick the Warriors. I think that if you look at the way they're playing and just like the mo- extra motivation that they have for this game, I think that they'll probably beat the, beat the Cavs. Yeah. Uh, I think that they're going to be motivated, even though they know it's a regular season game. And I'm not saying the Cavs won't be motivated, but I think they know, like, I think the Warriors know, like, we need to make a statement after losing three straight to the team, even if it is regular season. Is, are they going to give Verizhao his ring in front I think of... they already gave it to him. Did they? I'm not sure, though. They might. I think they might have given it to him In earlier. private? I don't know, I know if they could do week, that in public. And I know this week they gave it to Della Vadova, um, and uh, who's the other guy they gave it to? Della Vadova and... Um, Who's the guy the Cavs played? Who did the Cavs play this week that had a, a guy on their team last year? I can't remember. But I, I know Delavadova got got in. It was right. really funny. Um, but yeah, so we're both going with the Warriors on that game. Bulls Spurs. I'm going to go with the Spurs mainly because the Bulls are you know they're they're struggling. They're three and seven in their last ten games. They're six and eight on the road. The Spurs coming off a, pr- a pretty annoying, disappointing loss to the Clippers without. Blake and CB3 for almost half the game. I think the uh, and the Spurs are worn out. They've had a, a rough week. I think be their, this will be their fourth game in five nights. I think so. They'll be, they might be worn out, but I think that Pop will get them angry and you know trying to revenge that loss to the Clippers, which they should have won probably. So and they're at home. Um, so I'm gonna go with the Spurs over the Bulls. Right. And it's an, and like I said, it's an extra example to prove you know they still have some stuff left in the tank. After you know even though everyone is saying oh now they're old and like they're gonna win a lot of regular season games, but we don't know how they're doing the playoffs. That's sort of talk is coming about now so i think spurs will also win yeah um and let's move on to the next game wolves thunder i'm gonna go with the thunder mainly because although the wolves um have somewhat i guess you could say turned it around they have won two straight they're only four and six in the last 10 games um they they are actually better on the road than at home which isn't saying much because they're five and nine on the road and four and ten at home right um but this is in okc um, and although the Wolves have won two in a row, and they've had some pretty good wins, including in Atlanta, which is you know better than you expect, they might they seem to be somewhat turning somewhat of a corner for that team. Um, in OKC, I don't think they're going to win this game. I'm going to go with the Thunder. Yeah, I think it will be another Westbrook show where everyone's going to talk about like you could easily see all the rest of the games not being very good games, and then Westbrook having a great 40, 12, and 15 game, and that will be the talk on Monday. I think that OKC will probably take this one, and they should be beating teams like Minnesota. Because they need those, especially if they're going to compete for the the upper seeds of the or home court advantage in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and they need to be the teams below them. And the, probably the least exciting game, Clippers Lakers. 
I mean, it might be exciting now that Chris Paul got hurt and he might be out, so is it be right. a really not even a star-studded show, really, without Chris Paul or Blake Griffin. The Lakers have been really struggling. Uh, lost three in a row. They're 1-9 in the last 10. Mm-hmm. The honeymoon period of that first couple weeks of the season is clearly over. Um, I'm still going to go with the Clippers because even if they don't have Paul or Griffin, I still think they would win. But you never know. The Lakers right. are hit or miss. You know, One day they'll come out with a lot of energy because they're a young team. You never know. They could steal the show, especially if Chris Paul and Blake Griffin are out. I made these predictions before Chris Paul got hurt. Got hurt. I'm still going to go with the Clippers, but I would not be surprised to see a Lakers win if right. they had come out with a lot of energy on Christmas because for most of these guys, I think it's going to be their first game on Christmas. Yeah, I think so. I, I originally had picked the Clippers, but I don't know, just the just an immediate revision spur of the moment feeling. I feel like the Lakers are going to win the game. I just to, you know, at some point the run of bad play one and nine in the last ten games is going to have to end. And what better time to do it for some of the guys' first Christmas games? At, they're playing at home. So they're going to have that atmosphere on Christmas Day um, and the banged-up Clippers. So I think that you could easily see a Lakers upset, maybe what we'll talk about on Monday or something like that. So. Yeah, we'll be talking about the Christmas Day games in a little bit more depth. That there's especially some big storylines that come out of them on uh, the baseline on our Monday episode. And uh, if anyone listened to our episode on Monday uh, night, I made a prediction for our half-court heave segment that I thought I said that all away teams would win on Christmas. Obviously, I'm contradicting those um, predictions because I'm giving realistic picks right now, but just wanted to clarify that. Uh, So let's move on to our next segment. I'm going to call it Would You Rather Rebuilding Team Edition. Um, So I'll give you three scenarios. You have to choose between uh, two, I would say, two rebuilding teams, even if the teams themselves aren't admitting that they're rebuilding, but they're in that state where either they should be rebuilding or they are rebuilding. Um, So let's start off with would you rather be the Nets or the Mavs, and why? I'd rather be the Mavs um, simply for the reason that the fact that the Nets don't have their own first-round pick until 2019, which is quite absurd considering that they're not a very good team and they're not going to be having the main pieces that will allow them to rebuild through the draft. Um, they're probably not going to sign any marquee free agents anytime soon. I can't see a free agent wanting to go there, um, but I think that I'd rather be Dallas because they're going to have their draft picks, and they have a. Be- I think that you could build around Harrison Barnes, and I don't really know who you would build around in Brooklyn. Yeah, and I mean the Nets are an interesting case because do they? I think they should trade Brook Lopez probably this year for a contender to a contender um, to get something in return. You could most certainly get a first round pick for him. Probably, yeah. I would say I would give a first round pick up for Brook Lopez if I was a team that needed a center who, can, who was contending. Um, so they need to get a first round pick. They're not going anywhere with him, obviously. Um, and yeah, I agree. I would be the Mavs because they've got a great coach now. Kenny Atkinson could become a great coach, but That's Rick Carlisle is a great coach. Does he fit for a rebuilding team? Not sure. Um, they've got their draft picks, and especially for this year, which is going to be a good one if they stay at this range. They've been playing a little bit better recently. Right. Um, and I think they have, they have a pretty, I would call Mark Cuban a pretty good owner, a mostly good owner for the most part after, I mean, besides the fact that he blew up that championship team, which is still a mistake he probably regrets to this day. Overall, he's a pretty good owner, I would say. A yeah. little bit desperate at times, you know. But I think overall he's a good owner compared to uh, Prokhorov and whoever running right, the exactly. Nets. Um, now, the Nets, the, the Nets have brought in Sean Marks as GM, and he's done some really good moves so far. Um, but he still doesn't have a lot of work with. So unless they trade and get some draft picks, I'm going to go with the Mavs because they've got Barnes, like you said, a great established coach. They've got their draft picks and a pretty good owner. So the Mavs is just more of a foundation to rebuild. The Nets are rebuilding, but they don't have anything to rebuild on, right. essentially. And I think for the Mavs, at least, you'd have to get Cuban to buy in to the rebuilding. Like he and that the, might be the hardest part. That might, Yeah, that might be the biggest challenge if you were to come in as a GM or a coach because you'll probably he probably doesn't want to be able to be losing. I mean, when they were like... 
one in twelve. But they, people asked him, "Are you rebuilding?" I was like, "No way." And but they were like, "Come on, just rebuild." Yeah, be honest. Uh, okay, number two. Would you rather be the 76ers or the Lakers, and why? Um, I this is a tough one. I think this this might be the tough ones that we're going through. I think I sided with the Lakers. Um, I think that if you look at the talent on the team, uh, 76ers clearly have an advantage. You have uh, you know, you have. Embiid, you have Ben Simmons who still hasn't played. Let you have Okafor, you have players like that. Um, but if you look at LA, they still have Ingram, they have Russell, they have Randall, who are three young guys who can easily develop into very good players. And I picked them for the sole purpose of that. You know, LA is a big market, and you could easily see a, a marquee free agent come there that would really turn around the team fairly quickly. Now, it wouldn't mean the the thorough development of the young guys, but I think that. Um, if you're talking about making this team a winning team, you could easily add a marquee free agent in the offseason, and the, the Lakers would be competitive. That's an interesting way to look at it. Um, I'm looking at it more of, I would rather be the Sixers, because I think that unlike the Lakers who have good young talent, I think the 76ers have franchise player young talent. I don't see D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, Brandon Ingram, I don't see them as the, a franchise guy who's... you couldn't be the only guy on the team. I see Embiid as, you know, a second coming of Olajuwon. Right. I see Ben Simmons as someone who could join him as a franchise player. They could, they should trade Noel and or Okafor and get something right. in return, whether it be draft picks, more draft picks, more young talent, an established player, I'm not sure yet. It'll be interesting to see what they're doing. Again, the 76ers rebuilding process has been, you know, up or down ever since Hinky was gone because now that Colangelo doesn't really know what he's doing and doesn't know what he wants to do for that matter. Right. And your point about bringing in marquee free agents, I didn't actually factor that in. I was only kind of factoring in the talent they already have on the team for right. rebuilding. Um, but, yes, that, that that also kind of concerns me for the Lakers as well because if they bring in a, an established player, they tried to this season with Luol Deng and Mozgov, they, they're, they're wasting money on those guys, Right. a lot of money. They're paying them almost $34 million a year combined for guys who aren't even really playing as much as they should for their contracts. And so they've, or they've already moved to the youth movement while they're still paying these guys. So I'm worried about Lakers management trying to make a desperate splash for a big name. And we've seen in past years that, you know, big markets don't always get them anymore. Greg Monroe went to Milwaukee over the Knicks and the Lakers. It could happen again. That's true. Um, if they bring in an established guy, it kind of could hurt the young players. We saw what one year of Kobe did to the young guys. It stagnated their development completely. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about Lakers management being desperate and making a splash that way. And I'm just picking the Sixers because I think they have transcendent franchise players in Embiid and Simmons, which the 70s, uh, the Lakers, I think, just have maybe maybe an all-star in Russell. I don't see much more for Russell. I don't see him being a franchise transcendent player, unlike Embiid or Simmons. We haven't even seen yet, but I'm we're optimistic on That's Simmons. That's true, yeah. Um, and I'm very optimistic on Embiid, obviously, as everyone knows. Um, and the final one, would you rather be the Suns or the Heat? I think... It- be the Suns. Um, I don't think the Heat have the right roster to rebuild. You'd have to sort of s- scrap that roster from the, the get-go. I mean, you have Whiteside there. You could sort of rebuild around him. But aside from him, you know, you have the the talent on that team doesn't really fit for a rebuilding process. As long as you look for the Suns, they have some young players, Booker, who could develop that you could build around going forward and sort of work through the draft with the Suns. You know, they're going to have a pretty good pick this year going forward. And the the Heat are still, you know, they competitive. They could, you could, if they got hot, they could probably compete for that eighth spot in the East. I mean, it's a stretch, but you could see them easily not having a, even a lottery pick or a low, lot a low lottery. Pick. The, these these teams are interesting because the Suns know they're rebuilding, but are still making weird moves like bringing in a lot of veterans. Now, 
bringing in veterans is, is fine because you want a veteran presence for the young guys. Right. But bringing in so many veterans, Tyson Chandler, who they've had already. They've got Jared Dudley now for the next three years. They got Barbosa, I think, for a one-year deal or a two-year deal. Um, P.J. Tucker's obviously been there for a while, and he's a veteran. Um, so it's interesting because they're not fully going youth movement. I mean, they've, they've decided that they should start Chris to develop him at the four. They realize that it's a rebuilding movement, but they still have a lot of veterans. It makes you, seem like, makes you think, you know, maybe they should trade one of them. I think they should trade Chandler if they can because he's got a big contract, and he could definitely still help a contending team. Right. Um, and the Heat are like that, too. There are rumors that Dragic said he's okay with being traded, and the Heat are now exploring that. If they're going to rebuild, they should. He's 30 years old. He's good. He can go to a contender, help them out, probably get a first-round pick in return. Right, you want to build through the draft. Does Pat Riley want to rebuild? I'm not sure, because Pat Riley always seems to think that he can do great in free agency. This free agency struck out completely and k- killed D-Wade um, and the fan base for just letting D-Wade you know, treat, treat Wade like that. Um and you know, again, like that big market thing. A lot of these big market teams, I think, just rely on um, the free agency. Just rely on free agency a little bit too much now, because I think that guys, one, the money is going to be even, if not greater, other uh, other places like smaller markets. And two, I think that you know, the guys just don't really rely on big markets anymore. Now, some probably do, but I think that at least fifty percent probably free agents don't even rely on the big market anymore. Right. Because they can you know make a living somewhere else and social media and all that stuff. They can find a way to live great in a small market and the Suns um, obviously we know they have more young talent does the, does the Heat have any really young talent besides Winslow and Tyler Johnson who you would say could become good great starters I don't think so no Dragic is 30 Whiteside is 27 or 28 and he hasn't played that much so he probably his body probably feels like a 25 year old really but um, you know even he's kind of pissed off because a couple weeks ago like, I think last week he was Selling the media that uh, he said like they called me, they paid me as a franchise player, but I don't get a, the touches of a franchise player or something like that. I'm concerned with that being if you're gonna build rebuild on him, I'm still concerned about that. The Suns have more young talent. They got Devin Booker who has struggled this season, but has shown potentials to be an All Star. Uh, Marquise Chris has shown to be you know could be a starting athletic you know small ball four. He's, he's shooting threes. Dragon Bender, we don't really know what he is yet. He's just so raw, and he's going to probably take another year or two at the earliest to, to be contributing at a, a solid level. Um, Bledsoe's still young. Brandon Knight, they could trade for a first-round pick or another young talent, and That's he's true. still young too. So, I mean, even their guys that are playing, Bledsoe, I think, is 26. Knight, I think, is 26. Booker's 20. Chris is 20. Dragon Bender, I think, is 19. I mean, I think that they trade Chandler to get some more young talent, um... That'll, re- that'll open up the youth movement even more, and they've already got more young talent than the Heat, and I'm worried because the Suns management, I'm pretty sure, knows they're rebuilding and is making some most of their moves right. in that rebuild. I think the Heat are just like not, I don't think right. they know what they're doing. I think Riley is desperate to do something to make a splash. Right, but if you could get Riley to buy in for a rebuild, I think it would be pretty successful though, because I think that he knows, he has an idea of what needs to be done, so I think that if, the, the toughest part, like we said, with the with the Mavs too, is to get Cuban to sign on for a rebuild. But if you got Riley to sign on rebuild, I think that they would find some degree of success. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to our next segment. Again, it's a running game we've been playing on on Free Talk Friday. We didn't play last week, but we played it two weeks ago. Uh, it's called Above or Below. And essentially, what we're gonna do is we're gonna jump through eight teams, and we change the teams every time we do this game. And we're gonna. Um, Talk about the team and say if, we're pl- if we think they're playing above or below or at their talent level and expectation. So it's a kind of a combination of the two um, that makes us think if they're playing above or below. Or some teams are playing at their level. Let's start off with the team we've already talked about, the Mavs. Um, they're playing, I think they're playing below. 
before the season started, I think I had them at like 39 or 40 wins because I thought that, you know, I didn't expect these many injuries. And I thought that if they were healthy, they would compete for, you know, 40 wins. I thought they would miss the playoffs, but not be this bad. But again, this I think is because of injuries because recently they've been playing pretty well. Um, they've got some guys back. Dirk should be coming back in the next week or so, so that could help out. Barnes has been playing better than people expected, so I still have them as below, but I'm going to factor that in because of the injuries. Right, I still think they're below, too. I also had them missing the playoffs, but I didn't think they were going to be, you know, 13 games under through almost half the, or almost a, what, two th- a third or a third away through the season. So I think that, you know, obviously, the, like you said, they have the injuries that can account for some of the drop-off in play, but I think that still at this point, you no, I don't think many people expected them to be this bad this far. Yeah, and I mean, we'll see what happens when they get healthy over the next couple of weeks because they've been playing like a reasonable team, I think. Um, you know, in their last 10 games, they are 4-6, and six, so that's not terrible no, it's compared not horrible, to what yeah. they were at the beginning of the year. Um, the Kings, I had them at their level because I kind of expected this, you know. Right now, they're five games under. They're, t- they're actually tied... Um, in terms of games behind, um, you know, in the Warriors, um, the loss column for the AC, they're only percentage points behind actually being in the AC, um, which is surprising. They've been playing pretty well recently, and they've had more, you know, scandals with the Marcus Cousins. But I expected this. I thought I thought the Kings would be, you know, five to seven games under 500. You know, you know, like a 35 win team, a 37 win team, 39 win team, something around there. And that's basically what pace they're on now. So I think they're at their level. Right. I I think that I was I was gonna say they were playing a little bit above. And that was because, you know, they're, like you said, they're almost in a statistical tie for the eighth seed. But I think that you have to really account that for the poor play of the Trailblazers. Which we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about them. Next. But I think that, you know, five games under at this point in the season is about where you would say the Kings are talent-wise. Um, you see Cousins has been playing more explosive in the last week or so. Yeah. Both in his actions on the court and off the court, too. So, um, as if they can sort that out, I think they can probably maintain this level of play yeah, the if you factor in all the scandals and the trade rumors they've had from Gay and Cousins and Caspi fighting with Jaeger, I think they take where they are right now, and they love that the right. Blazers are struggling. And it'll be interesting to see, because if they stay in this kind of, you know, half a game, a game behind a seed all the way to the trade deadline, I would not trade Cousins just for the shot of making the playoffs with the way the Blazers right. are playing. Now, by then, that's almost two months still until the trade deadline, so they could completely fall apart and, you know, trade him, which would be interesting to shake up the league. But let's and go I, on to the Blazers. Yeah. Um, 13 and 18, I think it's pretty clear where we're going to go with them. I, if I could put two arrows below, that's what I would put. Because right. they have been so disappointing. Their defense is horrible. It's the worst in the league. They can't stop anyone. And uh, there were some interesting quotes because people were asking, I think one of the media asked Damian Lillard about you know getting on his teammates for his defense. And he said, no, I can't do that because my defense is so poor. So it's good that he's reflecting on it, but it's also bad that he, he knows how bad his defense is. Right. And he can't fix it. And that's supposed to be your guy. And he's, he can't even talk to his teammates about improving their defense because their defense is so bad. I think that they had too many too much expectations on them to start the season. Kind of like the Rockets last year. I think they just had too much expectations. Um, they're coming off a season where they overachieved. 44 wins, making the second round of the playoffs. No one expected that. Now people are expecting them to be a 50-win team, top four, top five seed. And they're falling under the weight of those expectations and the terrible defense. They're going to have to make a trade, I think, for a big man who can play some defense. Definitely. And, you know, I, too, have them below. And you look, they're like, they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10, which is really bad. Um, lost four in a row. Lost four in a row. And I think that, you know, they, they're a very bad road team. They have a 5-13 record on the road, which is... If you're going to be a playoff team, if you're going to be a competing in the West, you can't, you can't have that record. 
Like you have to. Yes, you should defend the home court, but you should also be respectable on the road. Everyone, all the playoff teams around them in the Western Conference have at least 500 or better on the road. Right. That's what you need to be a playoff team. Exactly. So. They're struggling, but you know, and they're struggling so much they're opening the way for the the, the Kings and the team we're going to talk about now, the Nuggets, to even make the AC because the Nuggets are also um, only percentage points behind the AC right now, and that's pretty remarkable, um, considering that they've been struggling so far this season. But I have the Nuggets basically at their level. Um, we don't have to spend too much time on them because we still got four more teams to go. Um, but I think the Nuggets were at their level again. Another team that I thought would be four to five to six, maybe seven games under. Uh, to end the season, that's basically the pace they're on now. Yeah, I think I have them playing a little bit above, just because you know some of the stuff that's been going on, they haven't been using Jokic right, and they, they couldn't figure out the Jokic Nurkic situation, and you know Malone is still adjusting. But um, you know, obviously they're they're not playing exceptionally beyond their talent level. I think that they're playing a little bit above than what I had them and what their talent level should have deems them to be at this point. Yeah. Um, so let's move to the Eastern Conference. We got four teams left to talk about. The Miami Heat, I have them clearly below. I didn't expect them to be good. I thought they had them, I think before the season, I had them at 35 or 37 wins. They're not even on that pace right now. I think they're they're on pace for less than 30 wins. Again, they've had some injuries. Dragic has missed some games. Winslow's missed a lot of games. But I think it's going to be, it, it's close enough. Um, I think in the next couple weeks, we'll be hearing some serious trade rumors, especially about Dragic, because they want to get something back in return. They realize that this is a lost season. Why right. pay a 30-year-old Dragic for the next couple of seasons? Um, three and seven in the last ten games, they're playing below what I thought they would be and their talent level. And definitely, they could easily. I too think they're playing below. I think that this could be a defining moment in their season. Like if they don't pick up their play, it could easily see that team sort of been breaking apart and being dealt off. Dragic could go somewhere. You could look for other moves to be done um, in regards to Pat Riley making trades before the deadline. Yeah, let's move on to the Detroit Pistons. I have them. I think they're playing. Uh, a lot below than I, I expected. Um, I had the Pistons as a comfortable playoff team. I think I had them as the fifth seed this year. I thought after they're coming off an A seed last year, forty I think 44 wins last year, I thought I had them at a couple wins better this season, you know, 46, 47. They're not on that pace at all. They're 14 and 17. They've lost four in a row. Um, they've been blown out, actually, I think, in four straight, um, including that game that prompted uh, Stan Van Gundy's, you know, incredible rant after the game. Um, but I think I have the Pistons way below what I expected at 14 and 17 right I, now. I think they're playing about the the level they I would expect them to be. You know, three games under, which isn't you know too off where I had them in the beginning of the year. You know, I think I thought they were going to be again competing for that eighth spot, seventh, eighth seed in the East, um, which is around you know two to three games, maybe four games under, depending on how the rest of the season plays out. But you could expect the seventh or eighth seed to be under 500 in the East. Um, so I think that they they still have time to turn it around. Um, I mean, obviously, you don't like the way they've been playing as of late. I think they're, they're 3-7 and seven in the last 10, which is not good going into the holiday season. Um, but they still have time, and I think that if anyone can turn it around, it's Van Gundy. You know, he has the experience. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily panic time for them, but they are playing below than what I expected. Um, two more teams left. The New York Knicks at 16-13. and 13. I have them above uh, what I expected and what I think their actual level is. And they've been doing the 16-13 and 13 record with a terrible play from Joakim Noah. Their schedule has been pretty much league average in terms of strength of schedule. Um, so, you know, they haven't been overachieving because of their schedule underachieving. They're still above what I thought. I thought they'd be a 39-40 to 40 win team, probably the ninth seed. But right now, with the way that Eastern Conference is playing, the way they're playing, um, it seems like they could they, they could comfortably make the playoffs. Now, again, this is a team that's really great at home and, and really bad on the road. So we'll see if that, you know, evens out the rest of the year. But I think the Knicks are above what I expected. Yeah, I, I too agree that they've been playing above. And you like you can attribute that to play Porzingis and, you know, some of the other guys who are stepped up in the, in the face of, you know, Noah not playing very well. Um, and... 
yeah, I had them. Like, I too had them missing the playoffs, and I'm kind of surprised um, at their, you know, they're over 500 at this point in the season. Um, but that, like you said, they have to pick it up on the road. Um, try to, you know, at least hover around 500 on the road so you can compete for, you know, they have the potential now to compete for, a, you know, home court in the first round. So if they could maybe step up on the road, they could easily maybe catch the, you know, yeah. jump ahead of the the Hornets. Yeah, and their defense is really bad, and they've got a, a minus 2.2 point differential, which is the worst in the Eastern Conference playoffs right now. So that's kind of a hallmark of a pretty, you know, average team or below average, that kind of point differential. So we'll see what happens with them. And the final team, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, they're 14 and 15. So they're somehow still the AC in the Eastern Conference. Um, they're playing well below what I thought they were going to be. I thought they would take a hit back replacing Horford with Dwight, but it's been a serious hit back. Um, and Dwight's been playing pretty well, so they've got some serious issues. Schroeder's been playing pretty well, so you know it's not. It's kind of hard to see what's been going on with the Hawks. They've got some maybe some locker room issues. Who knows if Budenholzer gets on the hot seat because of this poor start right. or this poor season if it continues. So the Hawks are below what I expected. Yeah, I, I too have them below. I think that you know you had them cons- competing for the four, maybe five seed in the East. At least I did before the year. Um, and so I think that you know under 500 at this point in the season, you know they're not dramatically behind. They're still in the playoffs. Um, they do have time to turn it around, and I think that if they can sort out some of the stuff that's going on in the locker room, um, they'll probably be able to turn around, maybe move up to six or five seed, depending on how the rest of those teams above them play out for the rest of the year. Exactly. All right, that'll conclude Episode 4 of Free Talk Friday here on the 94 Feet Report. Um, thank you, Alex, for joining the show. Just throw out where everyone can follow you on Twitter. Sure, I'm glad to be here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Spyro1495. All right, everyone follow Alex on Twitter and follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. Again, check out our sponsors, Fan Essentials and Daily Fantasy Nerd. We'll be back Monday evening with our uh, the second episode of our newly structured 94 Feet Report weekly podcast. Have a great Christmas, everyone. Enjoy the NBA basketball. Take care, guys. Welcome to the 94 Feet Report. I'm your host, as always, Eric Spropolis. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. You can find all of our information for our previous episodes there as well. I want to remind you that we are brought to you by...